Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Well, now we're in the seventh month of the good old coronavirus, and we're all pretty sick and tired of it. Isolation caused by shutdowns, cancellation, and social distancing rules has been difficult for most of us, but this pandemic has been especially hard on our teenagers. And my guest today, integral medicine practitioner Stephen Hall, M.D., affirms interacting with their peers is very important to teenagers, and he tells us that this is a normal stage of development but that COVID-19 is interfering with interaction and may be creating some especially powerful negative feelings in teens. And he's here to share simple yet powerful advice on how to help your teens and you as their parents get through these challenging times. And many of you may recall that Dr. Hall was a prior guest on our program back on April 6th of this year. And you can access our prior episodes of our program through our website if you want to listen to that program. And to refresh your memory, here are Dr. Hall's qualifications. Stephen Hall, MD, has been practicing family medicine in the greater Seattle, Washington area since 1985. He practices a dynamic form of medicine that combines traditional and alternative modalities encouraging patients to find wholeness in their lives on all levels, physical, emotional, social, and spiritual. And Dr. Hall is author of the 2018 book, The Seven Tools of Healing, Unlock Your Inner Wisdom and Live the Life Your Soul Desires. And he offers online courses, including Taming the Bear, Taking the Bite Out of Stress, and the upcoming Strong Foundations, teach your children to be healthy with their feelings. And hello, Dr. Hall. Welcome back to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Well, thank you, Roy. I really, that was a great introduction. I appreciate that. Well, we all know, know that teens are routinely interacting with their friends on social media. It drives most of us parents nuts. Doesn't this frequent remote communication in some degree compensate for their lack of face-to-face interaction? Well, it may compensate to some degree, yeah. uh, since that's about all they have, but uh, it it probably doesn't meet the same developmental needs no, uh, fully. I, know I, I was at a restaurant recently, uh, a family was there with three kids, and <laughs> none of them were paying the slightest attention to their parents. They all had their uh, cell phones out <laughs> communicating on them. Yeah. I don't know, maybe they were playing games, you know. Well, let's get right to it. Uh, will you please share with us some a few things that we as parents can do to help our teens through these social distancing times? Well, one of the most important things I think we can do as parents is try to put ourselves in our kids' shoes. Uh, 
yeah. and and try to understand what our our children are going through and um and, and, and teen years are really important because you know your child goes into the teen years as a child yeah. and comes out of them as an adult hopefully yeah hopefully exactly <laughs> and um and there's all this learning that's happening and the other thing that's happening is they're sort of moving from where the nuclear family is their major source of influence yeah. and, and expanding that out to where society becomes a major source of influence. Yeah, so we certainly don't want society being the uh, <laughs> the Internet and some of the things on that. <laughs> right, and that's kind of what's happening with the social media. But um, but it's like a developmental thing where you just have to go out and be with peers and with other uh, hopefully other adults too besides just kids your own age yeah. um, and, and get influenced by them uh, in addition to the influence you have from your own parents. Well, what are some of the ways we can get our kids out of the house and doing and safely interacting with other kids their age? Well, there are some uh, some sports that still allow for uh, social distancing. Uh, yeah. The one thing that comes to mind is uh, is rock climbing. Um, and, we don't uh, have many rocks around here, but well, our know indoor, you, uh, you know, there's indoor gyms and stuff like yeah. that that have them now. Um, bicycling, you can stay socially distanced and riding your bike. Yeah, we uh, see a lot of bike riders. I've got a bike trail right behind us, and I've never seen more bike trail uh, riders in the, this this summer. So that's something you definitely can do. Yep, and hiking. Um, the thing that I think the thing that's really important though is um, for parents to 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 try to get their kids to talk about how they're feeling. Yeah. You know, and and then try to understand how your child is feeling, and um, uh, and then the next important thing is to sort of help them problem solve. Don't don't you don't have to solve the problems for them when they're teenagers. Is but to engage their their problem solving uh capacity and maybe the, the you know you and your child come up with solutions to try to meet the needs that your child is feeling yeah if they talk, talking them to letting you uh, into their problems is probably the first step i know uh, no teenager really wants to listen to mom or dad <laughs> no they don't want to be lectured to but but no matter what age we are one of our major needs is to still just to be heard. Yeah. And um, and so if you can really offer that to your child, let them know they're really being heard. And, yeah. and like I had one parent, they had this really strict rule in their family that that they couldn't do any texting or social media after midnight, for example. <laughs> and and but during the um, pandemic, he's loosened his rules and he lets his teenage daughter stay online till like one thirty. <laughs> so, so I think being a little flexible too and understanding these are extraordinary times uh can also help your you work with your teenager. But, yeah, I know this is an example of uh kind of the negative thing that's going on in the first two weeks the Des Moines public schools had athletic events, football games, and swimming and volleyball for the, the girls. And suddenly, they, because they're not doing any online or any in-person classes this fall, 
they've canceled the rest of the season. And I know a bunch of kids yesterday did a march from one of the high schools to the governor's house protesting that. And I think it's, you know, I can see that maybe the health ramifications, but yet other schools in the state continue playing football and the other sports. And it's kind of crummy to take a season out from under the kids like that. And not to mention, you know, socializing through cheerleading or whatever else, the band that plays at the uh, contest. So it's it's tough. Well, it's got to be really disappointing for them. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, the thing that's important for everybody to understand, not just teenagers, but everybody, is that if we can get the infection rate down, then we can open up a little bit more, you know. Yeah. But this virus is really a, a fascinating virus from, a, like, a medical point of view, Um it's it's so contagious and yeah. um and it's probably because none of us have seen it before and our immune systems don't you know don't have any protection against it already yeah. um but it seems to be much more contagious than we thought like you can catch it just breathing somebody else's air yeah. and so the best way to keep the virus out of the air so nobody else breathes it in is to wear a mask yeah and and you can still breathe in virus in the air if you're wearing a mask, but when you breathe out, the mask catches most of the aerosols, and so you're not putting. If you happen to have the virus, you're not putting it out in the air for somebody else yeah. to breathe. Yeah. So well, there have been lots of reports lately. I know there was on TV this morning something about it, where uh, college students, including 18 and 19 year old teenagers, reconvened for the fall uh, semester. And they've gathered at fraternities, sorority parties, local pubs, and open group functions where students are not respecting social distancing. They probably aren't wearing masks. How can we as parents guide our teens and young adults to protect their own safety and the safety of others while they reconnect with their friends and still have a good time doing so? As a physician, do you see strong risk of teens contracting and spreading COVID-19 as they return to college, and how do we uh, prevent that? <laughs> well, you're yeah, not to go back. That's a really good point because, you know, while the kids are on campus, the yeah. campuses can enforce, you know, the social distancing and the masks and that kind yeah. of thing. Um, but what what they do in the evening when they go off campus? That's when they're congregating and in their parties and stuff. And yeah. um, so this is where it's really helpful as a parent to sit down with your teenager and say, okay, this is a really good time to practice making adult-type re- decisions for yourself. Yeah. And because when you, you know, by the time you're 20, 21, you're going to have to make these adult decisions yourself. So, so. If you were going to go to a party and you've got this this virus going around, this pandemic, what would be a good adult choice to make for yourself? You know, and just ask the teenager that yeah. and, and try to get them thinking. And, and they'll probably come up with, well, yeah, I probably should wear my mask or I probably shouldn't go into a room full of people who aren't wearing masks because yeah. me wearing a mask isn't going to protect me if there's virus in the air. See, because most of the air you breathe goes around the mask, not through it, you yeah. know. And and so it's really other people in the room not wearing a mask that's a threat to you. So, so stay out, stay outside at the pool or whatever. You know, don't go inside. <laughs> and um, 
but see if you can get them to start thinking and say, well, what would an adult decision be yeah, for this situation? That's, that's a good point because that's the transition period from to adulthood, really, when they go away to college if they do and graduate from high school. Well, we're turning a subject we covered back in April, the secret to good health, low stress, and a happy life. We need our teens come to terms with their inner knower, as you call it, or inner wisdom. And this, of course, applies to all of us, mature adults as well. Can you uh, refresh our minds by reminding us what this inner knower is and how it guides our teens and ourselves, not just to heal from illness, but also to guide us to uh, stress-free adulthood? Yeah, so I think everybody has an inner wisdom uh, because that's what's running your body, so you don't have to think about making hydrochloric acid when you eat your lunch, and you don't have to think about your skin temperature. and So all that stuff is being monitored and run by a, a, an incredible wisdom that's trying to keep everything in balance. Um, so it's in there. We all have it. Yeah. Uh, the problem is, is it's it's usually mostly operating in the unconscious part of our mind. Yeah. And we can hear it if we can get quiet enough. It's like that still voice. And and then yeah. the other thing we have to do is trust what we hear, yeah. because cause if you doubt it, it'll it'll get even quieter. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't want me, I'll go away back inside. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, why should I keep talking to you? I'm just wasting my breath. <laughs> and um, so by learning how to listen, listen to the cues coming from your body, listening to the cues coming to you through your life, um, watching how you feel about things you can actually get your foot in the door into that unconscious yeah. and see what, how your beliefs are set, how your perceptions are set. Yeah. And the vast majority of the stressors that are coming to us from the outside, like getting stuck in traffic or, or having to wear a mask if we don't want to, those are all stressors, but they're only stressors because of the way we see them. Yeah. And so yes, by... Yes, uh, when you think about it, it's ridiculous how... Stress how we get by getting struck in traffic, which may be costing us five, ten extra minutes of commuting to where we're going or whatever. <laughs> the but at long the same term, time, the really implications of that are so minor, and they aren't worth being all stressed out about. But, uh, Who knows how many hours of your life you just lost because you got enough five minutes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're exactly right. But all that boils down to how we see the world. Yeah. And so by practicing what I call the seven tools of healing, uh, you can actually act, learn how to access that inner wisdom. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to have you review those seven tools because those are really valuable. If you could just uh, list them again for us and, and what they, each one means. And they all, the way they work together, they seem so, so simple and common sense, and yet so few of us uh, take advantage of all of them. I know, it's mind-boggling. Yeah, so, so the first tool is foundation, or I think of it as a foundation, and that is faith. Yeah. And and that word gets misunderstood a lot, but the way um, I'm using it is it's actually how strongly you believe what you believe. Yeah. And so you can I mean, believe you something. You don't have to have proof for what you believe. I mean, you can believe in something that you can't see or touch. Exactly. And and so you do kind of want to balance your faith with reason too, I think. Yeah. Um, and 
but once you find a belief that's helpful, like I think believing that you can heal, yeah. that you can get better, I think that's an important thing to believe. And and so once you say, okay, I want to believe that, then you can practice strengthening your faith in that belief. And also that you belong to uh, the you, uh, humanity and are there to help contribute to others as well as to yourself, and that uh, human beings together can do good things. <laughs> have that faith. Yeah. Like like the belief that, well, I have a unique gift to give to the world, and I can give it. Yeah. Yeah, you know? that's such a perfect... Uh... So, so I encourage people to make a list of maybe seven or eight beliefs that if you believe these things, it would really improve your life. Yeah. But then, like you say, reality comes in, and the second one is awareness, I, I think, isn't it? A... Correct. Yeah, you have to become aware of what your truth is in this moment. Yeah. And and, the, and then there's so many facets of this moment that that awareness is a real practice. So you can yeah. become aware of how you're feeling in your body. You can become aware of the thoughts in your mind. You can become aware of your environment and how it's affecting you, how other people are affecting you. So, so just be the watcher, practicing being that watcher. Yeah. And, but then once you see your truth, um, you have to acknowledge your truth and say, "Yep, this is my truth." This is what it is, and quit being a victim all the time. <laughs> right, and and stop fighting blame, it. And, passing the blame to circumstances or someone else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is what I like to say. Is it is what it is. Yeah. You know, and. But also, just because that's the way it is, doesn't mean that's the way it has to be. No. It's another one of my favorite sayings. <laughs> and so we can change things. So we can we can improve things. But you sort of have to... I, I think about the acceptance as like putting your starting coordinates into your GPS. Yeah. Um, in order yeah, for the... Yeah, you don't put an effective starting point in there, you're not going to reach the right destination. The directions aren't going to make much sense, right? No. And that's and that's really true about our whole life. So, so seeing the truth of our moment, admitting the truth of our moment is is really putting in our starting coordinates. Yeah. And then, then you can start to change. And what I see actually changes people is compassion. Yeah, that's the fourth one. And that's the fourth one. That's why I call it the alchemist, is because it can literally take this lump of lead in your life and turn it into a lump of gold. Yeah, and that includes and, compassion on yourself. <laughs> the blame mistakes you made in the past constantly and uh, use that as an excuse for not moving forward really gets you nothing. Exactly. And, and in fact, if you bring enough compassion to um, all the things that you've done and all the things that are happening to you now, all the people that have hurt you, yeah. um, just bring enough compassion, then the forgiveness, that's the fifth tool, just naturally happens. Yeah, and I like the way you said that. It doesn't necessarily condone something that somebody did that was wrong or forgetting what they did, but uh, release that negative emotional charge that you've been carrying around that really doesn't help. When you yeah, like if somebody's ready. abused you in the past, yeah, they've hurt you enough already. You know, by not forgiving them, you're, you're allowing them to continue hurting you. But you can't yeah. force the forgiveness. That That's not transformational. No. But if you just really open your heart to yourself that you were abused, then if you just keep practicing that, then the forgiveness will just one day make sense and it'll just happen. Yeah. And then it's transformational. It's like letting go. Suddenly that's not a button anymore. Yeah, that's right. And um, 
And so then what I see happen in my patients when they work this process is they get this point where they can, it's, it's like the veil gets pulled back and they sort of see how spirit's been operating all this time behind the scenes and they just have this incredible sense of awe. Like, man, this is an amazing place in which we live, you know. And and that's what I call the gratitude. Yeah, I like the fact that uh, even when something bad has happened to a person, they can be grateful that uh, what they learn from that experience. Right. I love the way you put that. Yeah, and then, and then, I think once you hit that place where you're in this really open-hearted space, you you know your truth, you're you're kind to yourself, um, you've forgiven, and and you're in this state of awe, that's a, a really good place to try to make your decision about what to do next. Yeah, that seventh right action is so important because if we don't actually take action on what, we're, what we've been contemplating, we don't really change things. Right. Yeah, like one of the things that concerns me um, about the Black Lives Movement, for example, is I've heard yeah. stories of the protesters um, yelling at black policemen that are standing in the line. Yeah. And, you know, and saying, well, how can you keep us from doing this, you know? And, or, like, when they're changing the state flag in Mississippi, yeah. uh, w- one of the designs was from a woman whose grandfather was a famous separatist con- or, you know, so, um, senator. Oh. So they didn't want her name attached to the flag because of that, <laughs> you know? It's like that's the same level of consciousness that creates the, um, the uh, social, the racial racism in the first place. Yeah. And and like Einstein said, you can't solve a problem with the same level of consciousness that created the problem. Yeah. And so right action comes from a deeper understanding of what's really going on on like a spiritual level, a consciousness level and and trying to take actions that are going to make the world a truly a better place. You know, you uh, mentioned this before, but on the surface, uh, there's one apparent advantage our teenagers have over us, uh, their parents, the challenge of earning a living and the daily stress of adult living. Uh, We spend time fighting traffic, uh, meeting deadlines, and surviving overly scheduled days, and it seems like teenagers' life should be carefree. Yet I remember being stressed out in my teen years. What are some of the stressors teens put on themselves, and how uh, have these stressors been multiplied during the pandemic? Well, there's a huge stressor relating to um, body image. Yeah, um, especially sure. I think for girls, but but also for boys. And yeah, they have it too. Because I used yeah. to have that. Yeah, and um, worrying about how you look and. And, and teens are also because because peers become so important, uh, yeah. what other people think of us becomes really really important. Yeah, if I don't get invited to a party and some of my friends do, for instance, that would be a huge stressor for a teenager. Yeah, like the first time somebody said to me, you know, what somebody else thinks, feels, or believes about you is none of your business. <laughs> And I go, what? It's all of my business. What do you mean? <laughs> you know, I've got to manage that 24-7, you know. And, and it was so freeing to let go of that and realize. That's, that's a very difficult to convince a teenager or, for that matter, an adult. That, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. 
But it really is because how somebody reacts to you, they're just showing you their perception of the world. Yeah. It's not about you so much, you know. But but the teenager can't really see that. They don't have the filters in place to see that because their job is connecting with everybody else and wanting to be liked and and so those are stressors. Another huge stressor I see is, you know, picking a college. Yeah. And that's for sure. You know, and they make such a big deal out of it nowadays. Like <laughs> and and the teenagers just stress and stress and I think a lot of the people involved in the college selection process uh, reinforce that, but most colleges are big enough and complex enough that you can get out of them whatever you put into them. Yeah, that's for sure. And uh, when it all comes down to it, the initial choice you make at the college has a little to do with the ultimate result of what you learn. It's all up to you eventually. Exactly. And... And so if your teen has these skills, they if they can like see themselves and acknowledge themselves and know themselves, they're so much more likely to make good choices. And and that's what we talk about in that strong foundations class about yeah. raising your children to be healthy with their feelings. I mean, most of the problems I see with my patients is that they they don't have a good healthy relationship with their feelings. They're they're not getting the information that their life is offering to them. And so then they're making choices that don't fit who they are. And then they get yeah. in trouble with that. So, well, before we go, could you give us a brief definition of integral medicine and its advantages over the methods of uh, conventional Western medicine? I love the way you present that on your website. Perhaps you could uh, go into that a little. Yeah, well, basically, my... The idea is, um, you know, everything in your life, every every single thing in your life exerts some kind of force on your life, on your health, I mean, right? And so ideally, we need a medicine that can take everything in your life into account. Yeah, and it's all connected. You're not likely to be a healthy, uh, happy individual if uh, you have negative emotions all the time. <laughs> right, and the biggest challenge is... Or whatever. We're sitting here trying to be an, a healthy individual, but we're in a, in a you know dysfunctional society or something. That, <laughs> you know, that's a like swimming against the tide. Um, so anyway, so the idea of integral medicine is to try to t- be able to take an entire person's life into account. So not just their biochemistry and what's going on in their physiology, which is what yeah. conventional medicine likes to look at, and to look but, for the root of the physical manifestation rather than just a quick solution through a medicine or something. Right, because your high blood pressure is not the cause of your high blood pressure. <laughs> so taking a pill to lower your blood pressure is treating the blood pressure, but it's not treating the cause of it. Yeah. Um, and you can apply that to asthma and to autoimmune diseases and to all kinds of things. So that's what I try to do. And And again, what a person believes and their unconscious mind has a huge effect on how their body functions. Yeah. And Bruce Lipton wrote a whole book on that called The Biology of Beliefs. Oh. And, well, uh, um, what, what promoted, prompted you in 2018 to write and release your highly uh, revealing and uh, inspirational book, The Seven Tools of Healing, Unlock Your Inner Wisdom and Live the Life Your Soul Desires? I love that title. Well, thanks. Well, one thing that happened was... Um, so part of my work with my patients is to help them get in touch with their own inner knowing. 
Yeah, and, and then we asked inner knowing, okay, well, what would you do to help this person solve these problems in their life? And and so then I would watch what the inner knowing would, how it would coach these people and the skills it would help them develop. And then I looked at the advice that's currently out there in the in the self help industry, and they weren't weren't alike at all. They weren't the same thing. I go, wait, there's this huge mismatch here between what all the, um, you know the. Um, experts are saying about how to help yourself to grow and change and and what people's own inner wisdom says about how you grow and change. Yeah. And so I felt compelled to write the book to try to sort of add, try to correct the problems that are out there. Because so many people are putting so much time and effort and energy and money into helping themselves grow and change, and they're not seeing the results they want. Well, you have an upcoming class that I think is, uh, just fits the bill exactly. Uh, very well what we're talking on, not just for teenagers, but for younger children as well. And I'm especially interested in the course scheduled for late this year titled Strong Foundations, Teach Your Children to Be Healthy with Their Feelings. And it's conducted by you and your wife, parents of four grown children, both very successful as professionals and as parents. And I presume this class uh, includes teen years. You mentioned that it does. Uh, how does a, uh, you, I guess the, the site is not quite ready yet, but how does a listener sign up? Well, when it, uh, we have a website called www.the7tools.com, and it's the, num- yeah. the number seven, and it'll be listed on that website. And it's it's an online class that people can sign up anytime and just take it at their own pace. Um, and the I hope is that they'll keep it around so that when their children grow through these various stages they'll listen to the class from oh, that that's age great. and um so it starts at birth actually prenatal yeah. and goes through um age 18 or so oh that's um, great and we talk about like what the developmental stages are at each of these ages um and then how to help your child um become aware of how they're feeling develop a vocabulary to talk about how they're feeling um how to actually get the information that the feeling is bringing and then start to make choices. And and when you start when they're an infant and, and work through their toddler years and up into their early school years, then, you know, by the time they're a teenager, hopefully they're really good at this stuff. And and my belief is, is that if teenagers could be really healthy with their feelings, we'd have a much lower suicide rate, a much lower depression rate, anxiety rate, addiction rate. Yeah, you know, a lot of the problems we see as adults start in the teen years because we don't have good relationship with our own feelings. You still have that uh, course of the, the bear <laughs> getting rid yeah, of stress uh, in your life. That's another very valuable course. Yes, because, you know, stress is either the cause or at least contributes to most most of the chronic illnesses that are going on in our society. Yeah, that's for sure. And if you want to be healthy nowadays, you have to have a robust, effective response to stress. And that's what we teach in the seven, in the Taming the Bear. And we use the seven tools as the basis for um, essentially making ourselves impervious to all these stressors like traffic and deadlines. And, and you don't give out grades in these courses. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there's no no test at the end. Maybe oh, we should do that good. so people would study more, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 
maybe there shouldn't be. Well, this is the second time this year we've had this deeply caring and highly innovative integral medicine practitioner, Stephen Hall, M.D., and back in April he suggested how we can conquer sex, even in difficult times like these, and today he advises challenges our teens face from social isolation, real or imagined, it's still there for them, and why the pandemic impacts them as much or even more than it does us. And to conclude today's program, I'd like to relay a quote on Dr. Hall's website, the7tools.com, from J.F., a writer. It's not easy finding a doctor who's highly skilled in both conventional and alternative medicine, and I'd love that he doesn't just treat me, but includes me in my healing. And I highly recommend you uh, consider purchasing Dr. Hill's book, The Seven Tools of Healing, or signing up for his class, online class. Uh, and, and then you can be included in assisting your teenage son or daughter through COVID-19. And thanks to me and Dr. Hall for returning, and best of success in all that you do. Well, thank you, Roy, and I really appreciate um, your job, too, the, the work you do to get good information out to listeners. And, and I guess listeners don't have to live in the Seattle area. Uh, to uh, Can they consult with you online, or how does that work? Yeah, one of the advantages, uh, as you might think of it as a pandemic, is um, telemedicine has gotten much more available, yeah. and, and so I can do telemedicine consults with people pretty much around the country, and I... Um, my website for my practice is just my name. It's uh, www.stephenmhallmd.com. Yeah, I've been to that And then I have site. online scheduling there. Okay. Well, that's great. So anyway, uh, that's something you certainly want to consider as we all battle through this pandemic together. And thanks so much, Dr. Hall, for returning. And uh, talk to you again sometime. All right. So well, thank you, Roy. Yeah, I appreciate bye-bye. it. Bye-bye. Well, last episode, I had some advice for wives this week for you husbands. I know if you're in your 40s, especially early 40s, you're probably well aware of all this. But uh, those of us over 50 may need some reminding. It's hard to believe, but roughly three-fourths of all divorce actions in the United States are initiated by women. Speaking now to my fellow husbands, do not wonder why numerous studies demonstrate that married men tend to live longer, earn more money, and have lower rates of clinical depression, alcoholism, and substance abuse than their single counterparts. These same trends do not hold for married women. You know, in olden days, wives were considered the primary beneficiaries of a good marriage. Today, might arguing that the husband is the primary beneficiary. Could it be that some of us as husbands are asking more of our wives than we are willing to give in return? The days are long past when a woman defines success in life principally by how well she married. Although certain loving women still choose child-rearing and homemaking as their primary vocation, more and more wives today are pursuing their own careers outside the home with the same intensity as their husbands. Are modern husbands and fathers willing to make the same personal sacrifice they expect from their wives? 
how do you define partnership in your marriage? When you married several years ago, you pledged to love and honor your wife through sickness and health. Do you take her for granted today? If your wife is a full-time job, do you share 50-50 in routine domestic chores? Do you cook, shop for groceries, clean house, and do laundry? I must admit I'm not too good at that. I do do most of the grocery shopping. Do you assume an active role in nurturing young children or guiding adolescents? I trust that you do not sit back and enjoy primetime TV or a ball game or go out bowling with the guys while your wife puts in three or four hours of unpaid domestic labor. As we conclude today's program, Please ask your challengers after answering the following difficult questions. Do I bring as much loving support to my wife as I receive from her? In all honesty, would my wife stealing her life be more or less fulfilling were I not around? Am I truly supportive of my wife's career or outside interests? Do I go out of my way to relieve her stress? Do I routinely pitch in without first having to be asked? In order to accomplish a renewed, happily ever after marriage, you will need to elevate your wife this very day to equal partner in your joint venture through life. Because that's what she is, isn't she? And don't forget to read my two uh, books, A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engine, find them on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or on our website, middleagerenewal.com. And bye for now. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 